Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Welcome to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Joining us now um, from Long Island, where I am, but we're on opposing sides of the island, which is a good thing for the island, uh, is Chris Cuomo. He uh, hosts the program Cuomo. Very. I wonder how long it took for them to come up with that name, Cuomo. And, and, uh, you could have had the, the Cuomo difference or the Cuomo. All right. Uh, anyway, I'm on there, as I mentioned, on Wednesday with him on News Nation. Check it out. Um, before I get to the Democratic Party in the big picture, you would have asked Klain, well, what do you mean she's very successful? What has she done right? Wouldn't you have? Absolutely. You have to. That's the job. Well, how Kara didn't do it. Because it was a like-minded interview where Swisher, who has almost like an oracle effect uh, for people uh, center and left when it comes to business and increasingly politics and social matters, um, she was trying to plumb uh, kind of within the realm of sympathy for Harris. Uh, I think it's hard to justify keeping Harris on the ticket, except that while it may not be fair to say every criticism of her is racist or sexist, you are going to have a problem if you take her off the ticket and you don't replace her with somebody that matches gender and race. The Democrats, especially uh, the current Democratic Party, is going to have a real problem with that. But Look, the idea of people seeking a friendly audience and getting different treatment as a result is not new and not going away. Okay. You don't think it's racist and sexist to criticize Kamala Harris, do you? No. Unless you criticize sexist or racist. Okay. Well, but do you believe Ron Klain really believes it's racist and sexist to criticize Kamala Harris? Or is he just putting that out because that's what these people always do? I believe it is part of uh, the playbook of his perspective. Okay. Very good, Cuomo. You're doing very well. I want to reassure you. You need a sip of water or anything? You're okay? You want to continue? I'm busy. 
uh, I feel okay. uncomfortable. All right. Making it. Okay. You're not sweating yet, so that's a good thing. So your family, uh, Kennedy family, Cuomo family, um, icons in the Democratic Party, and you grew up on it. Your father was a moderate Democrat, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Your brother's a little further left because that was a tempo of the times. But the progressives have taken over the Democratic Party, in my opinion. Moderate Democrats, hard to find. Don't say much, even if they are moderate. Why or how? Maybe that's a better question. How did the progressives take it over? Uh needs as perceived based on the demographics uh, that keep getting them elected. I would question the premise, though. I think that my was more of a traditional liberal. He always said he hated labels because he was a very, he was like you, you know, uh, in that he was a very sophisticated thinker. He was a student of history. So he was always running around definitions. But his programs were much more geared towards the needy and suffrage and focusing on that to a large degree and trying to rally people to that cause, even than Andrew. Andrew had a pragmatism and a balance to his politics uh, that I think would actually move him more from the left to the center compared to my father. But be that as it may, Andrew's nowhere near left enough uh, for the current party. And that has nothing to do with personal accusations and everything to do with perspective on the goal. Goal now is opposition and to prove that you are winning the argument because the other side is evil and working with them is capitulation. Both parties agree on that. And that was that's not Andrew's thing. Andrew is of the Joe Manchin variety uh, in that regard of being a Democrat, which is, well, I'm here to get things done. So. Let me figure out where I can get things done and get things done. Sure. Right. Well, like- and I'm not going to argue with any of that. I mean, your brother, as governor of New York State, worked with Trump. They came to a detente about uh, COVID. Um, they helped each other and on and on. But you still haven't answered my question, which is a brilliant question, Cuomo. And I want you to answer it now. Why has the progressives, why have they taken that party, the Democratic Party, over? Uh, well, Osage one, I believe that if you have some of your copious staff review my answer, the first thing I said was that it is a function of the demographics they believe are keeping them in office. Uh, which okay, is that so you feel it's just a matter right. of getting more votes. I, I would disagree with that, but say that's true. You, mm-hmm. you have a party now that basically is saying abortion on demand, no restrictions. This is the progressives, not the moderate Democrats. They're saying that you have to teach in school various things to children beyond their capacity to understand because this is the agenda that we want to impose. They will not, they are supporting Biden who says, I'm not even going to talk to the other party about the debt ceiling. You either give me the trillion plus that I want, or we have no conversation at all. We don't want any limits at all. This is just unrealistic stuff that harms the country. It's fanaticism. That's the word it is. Yeah, the progressives are fanatical. Go ahead. I don't agree with any of that. Um, I think that there is, well, I disagree with fanaticism, but I believe, look, fringe thinking is where we are. It's the nature of the game now. Uh, Bill, I mean, this this is what people are doing. The left moves farther to the left to balance out the right. 
uh, moving farther to the right and this battle of extremes and these notions of uh, who is more in line with America. And they both lose because every time they poll the country, uh, this is a reasonable country. This is a moderate country. Uh, this is a country that's more about pragmatism than it is about some profound sense of party. Uh, so on the book burning thing, you know, I see all of these things as a battle of imbalance. Uh, you know, do, I, do we want kids who are young kids, grade school kids, being exposed to basically pornography? Of course not. It's not even a question. To kill a mockingbird, catcher in the rye, that's not pornography. That's something different. Um, but it all gets jumbled together for advantage. Um, and someone on the left will foolishly say, leave it to the teachers to decide what to teach your kids. And that's going to piss off every parent. Because the idea that you're not going to have any say on what this school is teaching your kids when every parent knows uh, with young kids like my wife and I, that you are increasingly doing the work of the school at home uh, because they're not doing what you need the school to do. We're lucky we're in a good public school, but, you know, we, we've had our struggles uh, with having to fill in a lot of gaps. So I really believe it's hard to isolate one side when you're dealing with a toxic two-sided game. All right. I see it much more dangerous on the left, obviously. But if you go back and you look at the eight years of Bill Clinton, how he governed it, as a moderate Democrat. He was a moderate Democrat, not Hillary. Hillary's a progressive. There's a big difference yes. between the two. Okay? Yes. You saw that Bill Clinton basically respected what you said was the common sense of the American people. So yes. when instituting uh, welfare, he supported a work rule. Now progressives yes. don't want that. They don't want anything like that. They want massive spending to solve, to give money directly to drug addicts, to people who are irresponsible. They don't want to punish criminals. That's destroyed inner cities all over the country. They're so extreme. I don't know how you could possibly compare all of that to some right wing people who, you know, believe whatever they believe. And there is no uh, consolidation of that right wing thought where there is on the progressive front because of the media. The late night comics, almost 90% of the network news people buy into the progressive agenda. You cannot work at the New York Times if you are not woke, Cuomo. You can't work there or for Jimmy Kimmel or for Colbert or for the Today Show. You can't work there. This is what is happening. I hear you. I get that. That's what you think. Um, first of all, what works on late night TV is what rates well. So but if they don't get well, any ratings. They're all dying. They get ratings. There's no, they don't. They're, they're, the graph is like this. I know. Boom. Because, of the, because of the stratification of the media. There's no, a lot it's because of, of them. Greg yeah, Gutfeld on a cable network beats all of them. Okay. Because he's moderately entertaining. They're no, not. He is, and unless you are an extreme righty, he is a toxic little uh, person. That's what a he toxic is. Toxic little person? Is that what you just said? Little. <laughs> I think you're That's taking him he, too seriously, Cuomo. I, Go ahead. At all, watch him. But that's what he is. But look, again, here's where you and I differ, okay? I don't see the imbalance. Uh, when I think about uh, being co-opted by your fringe, I mean, look, look, the Republican Party that I married into, Okay, that I have in my own family, uh, amongst my relatives, 
it's not even close to existing anymore. And, and part of it is because of Trump, but you know, I wouldn't give him too much blame or credit or, you know, depending on your analysis. I think that you absolutely see a coalescing there. You see a quiet in the face of, a, of these extremists that they have in their ranks. Um, that would have never happened. Give me, give me one, one mainstream. Now I'm not talking to kooks who uh, no, are that, justifying the, the Capitol riot. Give me yes. one thing in the conservative the kooks, precincts that's extreme. The kooks get to exist and you put them no, on No, no, but I don't want the kooks. Just one thing in the conservative mainstream platforms that's extreme. My first example is kooks can be on committees. All right. I mean, that's pretty weak, Cuomo. Come on, man. Really? You can't give me you anything. I gave you five on the left. You can't give me one. You're giving me committees? You're giving me committees? Yeah. Yeah, because they shouldn't be part of your representative sample of leadership. All right. If that's it, I won the debate. One more question. Because I can't believe you kick it to the side. No, but you don't have an extreme example. What the, the right is doing now is trying to counter this is Ron DeSantis's game all day long, trying to counter the madness on the left. That's what the by right banning, is doing. Okay. By banning books and attacking Disney? I don't know. Re- Look, in my town here, there aren't any books banned. I don't know where they're banned. Tell me where they're banned. I'll go. I'll go. You, both of us will go and tell them to stop. No banning books. All right. Last, last question. Bigger question. Either. It didn't stop everybody from saying it. Continue. The... The presidency of Joe Biden is the most leftist presidency ever. Nobody has come close in the Oval Office to him. I was surprised that he went that far left. Were you? Um, No, because I think he's doing what is perceived as necessary. I would argue that by your definition of government largesse, you'd have to look at FDR as the most left ever, but there were exigencies involved. Um, that created collaboration with both sides of the political aisle then. Um, I also think that you're giving Biden too much credit for having such a signature administration. Uh, Other than him bringing uh, a big deal of intellectual property, you know, chip manufacturing to the Southwest, which... um, you laughed off when he did it, but it is a very significant manufacturing right, move. But this is small ball. I mean, the guy, the guy is a Roman Catholic, and he's saying, no, you can abort an unborn uh, baby up to the moment of birth. I mean, that Obama would never have said that. Obama, when he took office, was against gay marriage. I mean, Biden's way out there on the left. Last word, last word. Evolved on that. No Democrat is their official position says, let's abort a baby right up until it comes out of nose. They don't want any restrictions. Biden doesn't want any restrictions on abortion. Restrictions. They want Roe v. Wade and Roe v. Wade. had It doesn't have to do with that. It has to do with they want no restrictions. They want what New York has. Up until birth, you can do it. All right. I agree with you. We're going to be on uh, your show on Wednesday. All right. And we'll have more... uh, Big fun, as they say. Uh, I, how much I love you, Bill O'Reilly. That I came on this. Don't don't ruin my reputation, Cuomo. Hold on a second. Don't well, destroy you do me. Not think should do. O'Reilly barely tolerates my existence, and when I see him in person, it's only because I agree to be his driver and help him do his errands. <laughs> so you're okay. Don't worry. Yeah. I, All I, right. I, I, we'll do a corner.
and do this handheld because there's all this construction going on outside. But I did not want to blow the hit because you are too important to me. So it's good. To all see right. You. I think it was a worthwhile conversation, Cuomo. And uh, you're not sweating, so that's good. You got through it. Now you can go back to doing whatever mindless activities you're doing. And I'll see you on Wednesday, okay? God will. <laughs> Chris Thank Cuomo, you. everybody, there he is. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been delivering on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes. Heroes who put their lives on the line to protect our country and our communities. Heroes like Bristol, Connecticut Police Sergeant Dustin DeMonte. After responding to a domestic violence incident, he sustained fatal gunshot wounds. He left behind his expectant wife and two children. Thanks to the generosity of people like you, Tunnel to Towers paid the mortgage on the DeMonte family home, lifting a financial burden. As his loved ones mourned the decorated officer's loss, they welcomed a miracle, the child he would never get to meet. So many families need your help. Please help America's heroes and their young families. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. 95 cents out of every dollar you donate goes to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe, download now the truth. You're listening to the NOSPA News Weekend Edition. Hunter Biden. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here. And my next guest knows everything about it. So hang tough. So the House Oversight Committee, that's Comer, okay? They are demanding documents about Hunter Biden's finances. All right? And Hunter Biden's attorneys aren't handing them over. As simple as that. So what's going to happen? I don't know. Contempt of Congress? I don't know. Bannon went to jail. Steve Bannon. Will Hunter? I don't know. In addition to that, there is a child payment situation, child support in Arkansas. Now, this is ongoing right now. So... Uh, apparently, Hunter Biden had an affair with uh, a woman who worked in a strip club named London Roberts, 32 years old. There she is. And out of that affair came a baby, Navy Joan Roberts, who's now four years old. All right. And I feel so sorry for this child. Anyway, uh, Ms. Roberts wants more money out of Hunter Biden. Biden says he's paid her an enormous amount of money already, $20,000 in monthly child support and $750,000 overall for the child's welfare. That's what Hunter Biden's people say, lawyers say. You've got to present both sides here. That's what I'm doing. However, the judge now wants under oath, all of Hunter Biden's financial records, where he made his money, what he's got, how much he's this, how much is that. 
That is a real threat to Hunter Biden. So joining us now is a man who knows more about this, in my humble opinion, than anybody in the country. He's a reporter. He's not some pinhead pundit like me, all right? His name is John Solomon. You know him, all right? He's the editor-in-chief of Just the News. It pretty much does what I do here on the Internet. Oh, he's all over the place. Uh, he's got a new book out. We'll get to that. Um, but give us the latest on Hunter Biden. Yeah, I think, Bill, you really analyze that Arkansas situation very uh, well because the Biden camp is very worried about having to turn over records, not only what he's made on those paintings that he's been doing the last couple of years, but the judge specified any gifts you've been getting. If you've been freeloading off of people, you're going to have to tell me what income you're getting, where it's coming from. That is a suspicion that a lot of House Republicans have had for a while, that maybe Hunter Biden's been living off other people with gratuity and grifts. That will be a very important moment in the case to see what his full income looks like and how much of it is political or gifting to uh, the first son. It's going to open up a whole new area of the Hunter Biden uh, drama for us to see. And when it's in court, it comes, as you said, under penalty of perjury. That's going to be a problem. They can't skate on this one. they got to be very, very careful. Now, while that's going on, you've got in, in Congress here um, multiple efforts to now force into uh, the public realm documents that uh, were kept from us in 2018, 19, 20, when we were deprived of making an informed decision in the 2020 election, because we told the Hunter Biden scandal was, well, uh, a conspiracy theory, or worse yet, a Russian disinformation operation. Multiple people, including Hunter Biden himself, being asked to give up documents. Eric Schwerwin, a man who handled Hunter Biden's taxes and warned him he hadn't been paying taxes on his Burisma Ukraine payments. Remember, that was at the heart of the impeachment a couple of years ago. Uh, and then Anthony Blinken himself now facing multiple requests from documents. First, in his role in circulating that letter or prompting that letter, encouraging that letter to be sent, that falsely claimed that the laptop in 2020 was Russian disinformation. And now, a, a shocking revelation from Senators Johnson and Grassley that uh, uh, Blinken may have lied to uh, Congress back in 2020 when he said, I didn't have any contacts with Hunter Biden. We never talked business. Uh, the two senators say they now have reason to believe that Hunter Biden was communicating with Blinken through Blinken's wife, who is a, an official in the State Department. They now ask for all documents of those communications. Uh, a cabinet secretary is now on the hot seat in multiple, multiple instances with uh, Tony Blinken. All right, let me stop you there. You, there's a whole bunch of stuff you said. Now I'm yeah. going to ask my usual simple questions. In Please. Arkansas, how far back does Hunter Biden have to produce his financial portfolio? Does he have to go all the way back to when his father was vice president and he was being paid by Chinese, Russian and Ukraine companies? Does he have to go that far back? He does not. This will be a much more contemporaneous period okay. of time, really since the time his father was president and this child was born and seeking uh, child right, support. That, so that clears that up. Now we go to the House. Blinken at the time he allegedly was dealing with Hunter Biden was not Secretary of State, correct? That's right. That's right. What was Blinken doing? He was a key advisor to the Biden campaign. So he was exactly. their security advisor. Working so for he the had campaign. every right to orchestrate the letter. Yeah, he had every right to orchestrate the letter. Yeah, he was now, trying to get that out of the uh, voters' mind. So Blinken right. allegedly put right. together this phony letter and then strong arm the 50 people to sign it. You didn't even have to strong arm most of them. They hated yeah. Trump, so they would sign it That's as well. Right. Okay, 
So now going forward, you're going to get a little window into Hunter Biden's lifestyle from the Arkansas thing, but you're not going to get the big one, which is how much money he derived while his father was vice president from these foreign companies and whether Hunter Biden gave money or assets of any kind to his father, the vice president, in return for his father helping facilitate these deals. We're not going to get that right now, but that's That's the end game, is it not? It is. You've always put that bullseye on that target. That is the thing that will matter more to anyone in the American public than anything else. Now, if Joe Biden lied to us about different aspects of the uh, campaign, that's going to become a 2024 issue, honesty. But did the big guy benefit directly, indirectly, and did he direct some of the business decisions or assist the business decisions? That's the bullseye that James Comer has to cover and give us an answer to. Okay. That's going to take a while. Um, And we had Kevin McCarthy on the No Spin News uh, recently, and and I asked him about it. I said, look, you know, are you monitoring the Oversight Committee and where are they in the process? And McCarthy said, they're building a case, but, you know, Americans want it now. They want tomorrow. They want to know. And it's going to be, has to be clarified by the vote. You know, the the Democrats are going to stand by Biden no matter what. They're not dumping Biden unless, you know, it gets so bad in the economy. That's the only thing they would dump him for, not this. All right. Right. um, You wrote a book. It's a cute book. uh, A (laughs) Seymour Clues mystery called Hidden Headlines. Seymour Clues is a detective and he has a sidekick named Mr. Mouse. So I assume that these are not woke detectives. They're not woke. They're not. <laughs> they're what? not at all. They're, they're lovable characters that you might find at your, uh, in your home or in your pet <laughs> store. My son's hamster actually makes a cameo. He's the newspaper editor in this story. Chunk the hamster. My son has a hamster named Chunk. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he actually is trying to get his newspaper out to the hamster community, and the tubes in the hamster community are clogged. Uh, and it's a story about censorship brought down to children's level. Lovable characters, beautiful illustrations from the great folks at Brave Books, but an important message. I learned a couple of years ago, Bill, as my stories and other stories like Miranda Devine's and others were being censored, there's two generations of young adults in America that weren't given the civics lessons of the Bill of Rights and why the First Amendment was first, why free speech was so important. Their educators deprived them of that. I didn't want a third generation to go that route, so we wrote a book that lets moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts and uncles share with their children that the First Amendment's important, but do it in the most delightful way. These are really fun characters and really great pictures in the book. All right, I love so the, the it's an entertainment for kids, but it has a historical uh, context that is a great. Give me the age range for kids for uh, hidden headlines. Five to 11 is that perfect sweet spot. You can get it at bravebooks.us, real simple to get. Okay, say that again slower, John. I'm giving you a big plug here. Where can you get (laughs) it? Bravebooks.us. You can get my book free this month if you subscribe to their monthly book or you can buy it a la carte. But a great group of people at Brave Books, they're filling the void in woke education with pro-America prayer God books. All right. So Brave Book, again, Brave Book. Brave Books, plural, dot uh, dot US. Bravebooks.us. There you go. 
All right, John, keep us posted, please. Thanks, Honor Biden's story is an important story for everybody to follow. This is the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Ukraine. So Putin says drones attacked him overnight trying to kill him. <laughs> Putin claims that Ukraine is behind it. Zelensky said, no, we're not. If I had to bet, I don't think Ukraine attacked Putin with drones in the middle of the night. Okay, there was nothing fired. It was just a, they were, somebody had drones floating around. Um, and now the Ukrainians are going to launch a springtime offensive any day, I guess. I don't know. But that thing just goes on and on and on and on. And here's something I did not know. George Pataki, name ring a bell? He was the governor of New York State, Republican, from 1995 to 2006, the last Republican governor here. Um, and he has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize due to his humanitarian relief efforts in Ukraine. The governor joins us now from New York City. Are you being shy about this? I went to a dinner with you <laughs> uh, 10 days ago, and that's the first time I ever heard about this. Did it get any any coverage? Uh, no, not really. But uh, I, I've never been any good at self-publicity. You do things because you think they're right. And that's what we've been doing in Ukraine. So it hasn't gotten any attention, but I'm fine with that. We just want to continue the mission to help the civilians, to help with humanitarian aid in Ukraine. Okay. Number one, I know you're a modest man and, and you're not a self-promoter, but in this case, next time, call me because I am a self-promoter and I'm not modest. I'll do it. I'll do it. Because it's a, deal. a Nobel, I'll call you next time. Bill. Yeah, call me. A Nobel Peace Prize is the top of the chart. And and when I heard that at the at the table with you, I went, what? And I think that people should understand this. So tell me exactly what you have done in Ukraine. Well, you know, literally within three or four days of the war, uh, I went there and I took uh, a few people from the Pataki Center uh, because we wanted to help. We wanted to provide some humanitarian aid. And we took in food and medicine and some clothing. Uh, and when we got to Ukraine, uh, we saw just this enormous need and nobody was filling it. And I don't have a giant foundation like the Ford Foundation or some of the others. But what we did is talk to government officials, talk to civilians, what do you need? Uh, and the list was endless. So since that time, our little group has made 10 trips throughout U uh, Ukraine. We brought in everything from uh, uh, temporary housing units to generators. Literally, we provided hundreds of generators for the winter when the power was destroyed by the Russians. And we provided heaters, uh, over 400 heaters, to heat over 400,000 people. So we're just trying to help meet the humanitarian need. We're waiting for the government's promised aid to get there. We haven't seen it yet. So the Biden administration promised humanitarian aid, but it hasn't gotten to the Ukrainian people yet, as you're saying. We have not seen it in Ukraine in any significant amount at all. You know, they Congress did a billions. lot of the money. Congress had a lot yes. of the money. So it's just That's that right. slow Joe hasn't gotten it there. Now, a lot of Americans are very concerned about this unending flow of taxpayer money, both military and humanitarian into this country, that it will never end. There'll be another Afghanistan. They're going to fight forever. Putin's not going to give up. Zelensky's not going to give up. How do you see that aspect of it? Well, I understand that we don't want to continue to 
open-end fund uh, a war or provide humanitarian aid without the accountability. But, Bill, I see it very clearly. This is good against evil. This is Russia and Putin invading a democratic pro-Western country uh, with no pretense at all. They're not even trying to hide it. Uh, and you look at their allies, Iran, China, North Korea. These are the people helping the Russians. And if that doesn't let you know whose side we should be on, then shame on you. So I don't think this will go on forever. It's unsustainable to use a, a word of the left. I hope that the Ukrainian counteroffensive is enormously successful, but the war has got to stop. But in the meantime, the humanitarian need is just growing. So we're going to keep trying to do what we can. Okay. Do you have any worries that Delinsky's crew is corrupt, that they may siphon off humanitarian aid? I mean, those charges have been lodged. Do you have any worries about that? Sure, I do. You know, and I think anybody who's sensible has to understand when you're talking literally tens of billions of dollars, you have to have accountability and make sure that the funds are going where they're supposed to be going. And that's one of the things we've been talking with the Ukrainian government about to make sure that that's the case. You know, we have seen from my standpoint, no signs of that at all, no signs of corruption, but I'm not sufficiently naive to know that it's impossible. So one of the things I've been arguing for with both the American government and the Ukrainian government is to have an inspector general system to make sure there's an accounting as to where those funds go. I think the American people are entitled to that. I think the Ukrainians would be fine with that. And then it would take away some of those questions, but the need is real. And no, no doubt about it. Ukrainians are doing a great deal is real. Now, how can people help you and your foundation? You know, it's uh, they, everybody calls it a foundation. We don't have a lot of money. We're really just a center, the georgepatakicenter.com. Uh, and just uh, donations online or um, uh, to our Ukraine Relief Fund. We're a 100% volunteer organization. Nobody gets paid. Whatever we raise goes directly to humanitarian aid in Ukraine, except for travel and security expenses. So... We're going to continue to fight the fight. And, Bill, I just want to say one last thing. You're not too tough on Biden. You know, if I were answering what you were saying earlier in the show, by no means are you too tough on Biden. I think he's the worst president of my lifetime. Keep it up. We All need right. the American well, we, people to realize. That we do. Now let's switch to politics in New York State. You were the last Republican governor. I was at WCBS TV uh, while you were rising um, it was a moderate state back then, always the city tilted left, but the regular New York state um, was a kind of a moderate. You were reelected and, and served uh, more than two terms. Um, what has happened to New York? It's now next to California and Illinois, the most leftist state in the union. What happened? Well, I think a lot of things happened. One is that, uh, first of all, the, 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 we're number one in the country, maybe California's passed us, in losing people, people moving to other states, moving to Texas, moving to Florida. Uh, and it's not somebody you know who's working for uh, Soros's NGO. It's people who are working for a living or retired who would tend to vote Republican or more moderate. So we've lost a ton of our voters who have just moved out of the state. Uh, the second thing, I think, is just the collapse of the party system. You know, we used to have a vigorous Republican Party, and we haven't had that for a while. And that's one of the things that I'd like to see happen is uh, uh, the state is failing, the city is failing, because it's a one-party system. And but how did it get work. to be a one-party system? Um, the voters have turned left. Even in, I mean, um, Zeldin almost beat Hochul. 
and would have, if not for New York City, African-Americans voting 90% for Hochul, even though they see bodies in the street in those neighborhoods every day. Did the people of New York change their point of view about politics? The, the people of New York are more centrist than conservative. When I ran for office the first time, there were more conservatives than liberals in the state because uh, we polled that. And you look at it now, and it's not as far left as you would think from the political results. Uh, it is still as many people identify as a conservative in this state as they do as a liberal. The, the problem is that we have no access, we have no funds, we have no media, with the exception of places like you, uh, and we haven't done the proper outreach. I'm an optimist. I think we have enormous opportunity in New York State as Republicans with the Latino community. You know, they are the ones who are suffering from bad schools, unsafe streets, subways that don't work, jobs that move out of the state, but we haven't done the aggressive outreach we need to do. You know, and if we did that, we don't have to change philosophy. We don't have to change our policies. We just have to show that we care and that our policies are right for them and what the Democrats are doing to them are hurting their future and their children's future. So the opportunity is still there for Republicans. We just have to make the case and fight the fight. And I'm going to help us to do that. All right, Governor, we appreciate it. When is the uh, Nobel people, when are they going to announce who wins? Oh, I don't know. You know, I, you I don't even know that, that but. I don't even know. I know we're going back to Ukraine again this month. And we're oh, going to that's try good. To help, but, that's good. But well, uh, you, I, I, I honestly don't know. If it were me, I'd be camping out in Norway. I mean, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize right here. Congratulations. <laughs> Look, it doesn't matter if you win. It really doesn't matter. Just the fact that you're nominated and, and the people around the world understand what you're doing. I hope my listeners and viewers do help out uh, the George Pataki group. Give me the uh, Internet address again for that. GeorgePatakiCenter.com, Ukraine okay. Relief Fund. Very good. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Governor. Very nice much to see you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Here's a gem from the No Spin News Vault. So, Hannity, thanks a lot for taking the time. I mean, you got TV, radio, Hannity.com. You got Kung Fu lessons in the morning. I mean, you got the book. <laughs> Kung Fu. Oh. Where did you... All right, I have to give a small history, and then I'll, I'll end. I, Bill O'Reilly, I train 90 minutes a day, four to five days a week in mixed martial arts, Krav Maga, Kempo, uh, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. We do sticks, blades, firearms, situational defense, and it's a passion of mine. And wow. you, you just reduce it to, oh, you do that, what a kung fu thing or whatever else you say. Or, well, you I don't know, understand. Uh, Here's what I don't understand. Why aren't you taking Irish martial arts do you know what irish have, martial arts are yeah, you, you throw just, a, just you throw a pint of guinness at somebody i mean that's it you don't need a lot of lessons for that <laughs> oh man you reminded me of conor mcgregor in the bar all right so i got to tell everybody and then it's your interview all but right. i have to tell your audience so bill comes on my radio show every wednesday and bill has been alerting me now for over a month I want you to know this, Hannity. This this interview I'm doing, it's my interview. It's a Bill O'Reilly interview. It's not going to be a cupcake interview. And I'm like, okay, I, I Bill, I haven't slept in a month because I'm worried about the cupcake, the non-cupcake interview I'm about to get. It's like I walked into a war zone. No, no spin be. zone. All right, so you write the book, and I read the book, and it's basically a big picture, not a micro book, a big picture of what happens if Donald Trump loses. 
and why you believe he should not lose. That's the premise of the book. But now I got to get I got to get inside this. So, you know, Trump, as well as anybody other than his immediate family. We, we both have known him for, what, 25 years, right? Right, but you, uh, you now have more access to him than anybody as far as media is That's concerned. That's a rumor, Bill. I need to confirm or deny, but go ahead. Okay. I know you do. How has he <laughs> changed? How has Donald Trump changed since he's been Great president? Great question. Okay. First of all, I credit you because Bill O'Reilly asks questions that nobody else will ask. That is a great question. I have, I think, Bill, that we have seen a massive growth, a trajectory that literally is like vertical. And when you come from the private sector, as he did, and then you go into this, what we call the swamp, and then you're, you know, you're used to doing deals. You're used to, you know, brawling. And I got to deal with these crazy people in Congress and 99 percent of the media that if Donald Trump cured cancer, they would still want to impeach him. But yeah. he has grown. Oh, I've never seen such growth. There's the short answer. OK. I see him as frustrated, angry at times. It's taken yeah. the presidency has taken its toll on him physically. He's much uh, more overweight than he used to be hunched over a little bit. You see that with every president that's ever every served. president. Right. Yeah. So I see him as a changed man, primarily because I don't think he was prepared for the hatred that is be being directed at him. We're all human beings. We're all have sensitivities. But mm -hmm. as you know, and I agree, there has never been a, a president in modern times as hated as Donald Trump. No. So here's the next no. question. Why? Because he he has he has confronted the swamp in ways that nobody could have imagined, and he's defeated them, and they've tried to kill him now politically so many different ways. The media hates him because Donald Trump, I predict, till the day we die and then beyond, has permanently branded right up here in every media group's forehead fake news because it is fake. It's agenda driven. They hate him. He challenges back. I remember when I interviewed uh, Bush the Younger, I said to him in the White House, how can you take all this hatred toward you? And he goes, factor. Yeah, he goes, factor. I just ignore it. But Trump's the exact opposite. He confronts it and that makes it worse. But it's beyond that. On page 203 of your book, you write about the education secretary, Betsy DeVos, and a Texas yeah. attorney who says, he wouldn't mind if Ms. DeVos is sexually assaulted. Now, that's the level of hatred that not only is directed at Donald Trump, but everybody who either works for him or supports him or plays golf with him is subjected mm -hmm. to that kind of malice. And I'm still going, I, I have never seen anything like this. I hate to tell your audience this. There are there have over the years been hundreds of millions of dollars spent on anybody that's not part of the media mob or the swamp in Washington to shut us up, to get us fired. They attack you financially. They want to boycott you. Why? Because they just don't like what you say. Biden going to show up for the debates? He better. I think if he doesn't, he loses. 
That simple. I think Game he will. But the New York he, Times telling him today, one of their columnists, don't don't debate, Joe. Don't show up. Say, that's the second time now. I didn't even see. I don't read that piece of garbage anymore. But you know, um, I will say this, Bill. It's sad when we've gotten to a point in this country where what we do for a living comes at such a high personal cost. And by the way, whatever we might go through and the garbage and the hundreds of millions of dollars to silence any voice that the woke group doesn't agree with, you know, Donald Trump is taking on the chin day in and day out, every second of every day. And I will tell you, there is a group of Americans out there that, as we saw in the Cato Institute study, they're not going to tell any pollster ever what they're going to do. Let's, uh, Let's talk about the Fox News Channel. So 24 years ago, I can't believe yeah. it. You know, I, I, what was I, 16 years old and you were 12. <laughs> um, 24 I years ago, I got a call. Yeah. Uh, I had just wrapped up uh, a master's degree at Harvard. How about that, Hannity, huh? Isn't that pretty darn right, impressive? Really, no. <laughs> Go ahead, drop away, Bill. I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, it's not... It's not Kung Fu the, lessons, but it's, it's okay. Tells me every week on my radio show. Kennedy, I'm just a simple man. I'll give you the simple man. I'm the simplest guy that ever graduated from Harvard. Okay, so 24 years ago, I get a call. You get a call. I didn't know you. You were, you were a local radio host. Uh, you get a call. I get a call. Come on in. Talk to Roger Ailes. He's going to start this new network. Goes up October fifth, nineteen ninety six. Um, I October sixth. Yeah, but twenty twenty four years ago, and so yeah. I remember the first meeting that we were in some kind of warehouse. They were gonna after we got hired, they're gonna take our picture, and there's you and Combs standing there. <laughs> Catherine Cryer, who had the eight o'clock slot, I had the six right. o'clock slot. And we were chatting. I mean, it's two Irish guys and this and that. And we're getting to know each other. Did you ever? No. You would try to intimidate everybody in the room, Mr. Simple Man. But go yeah, ahead. I was, I'm teasing. I was chewing tobacco and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, so, a backstory. One day I was smoking a cigar in my office. And, you know, one of the primetime hosts on at the time didn't exactly like the smell. I got yelled at. So, oh, but so I, I don't smoke But my question back then is, did you have any idea? that this would become a success because I, I thought it would. That's why I signed a contract, but I wasn't sure. Did you know? Bill, I don't need this. I'm, I'm now saying something I don't tell many people. Ever since I did my first radio show, I just expect the day I'm doing that show that somebody's going to say, uh, we made a mistake. Why, why, did that, why did that even happen? If you would have told me back in October 1996 that I would still be on the Fox News Channel, I'm now 25 years, um, or on the radio. I started my radio journey, Bill, in 1987. That's 33 years ago. Um, I, I am more surprised than anybody, and I, and I feel blessed beyond measure. Now, you were a huge part of the channel's success for all of those years. By the way, I learned being number two a lot better than being number one because you got the heat a lot more than we did. And, and Alan, who I loved and God rest his soul, um, you know, I felt like the luckiest guy in the world. But I do say this. I shudder to think what the country would be like without at least one channel. Fox News has changed now. 
Um, I'm not going to, I've never spoken yeah. about five you gonna take I like do that. Wedge, like, is this like the non cupcake part where you're going to like make me try and no. be, I, I, I would love you, what this would you, is. would you acknowledge that Fox news has changed? Um, you're asking a good question. I'm going to say something that some people may not like here. And that is I'm so busy every day, Bill. I do like to catch Fox and friends in the morning in my radio studio. You've been in the studio. I have four TVs. I have five or six computers in front of me and I spend my day. I like to quietly reflect and study before radio and TV right now in the United States of America. You are either the most powerful conservative traditional voice or tied with Limbaugh. It's close. Or what? Or tied with Rush Limbaugh. Because Limbaugh doesn't have a TV presence in primetime, and you do. So you, you can make an argument, are the most powerful conservative traditional media voice. Your parents, your parents... Yeah were working class people. Both of them worked, okay? Yes. How do you think they would process? Number one, you're one of the wealthiest people, uh, broadcasters. And number two, you're one of the most, probably the most powerful. How would your parents process that? So my father died six months after I started at Fox. And I did get him a satellite dish so he can watch. And then I, I worked at a radio station in New York at 11 at night till two in the morning. And I loved late night radio. It was actually really fun. And he would listen all night, four straight hours. And then, you know, he said, where did this all come from? I said, dad, you yelled at me every day to shut the radio off. I wasn't a TV watcher. I listened to the talk radio guys. Well, how would they feel? I'm going to tell you how they'll feel, Bill O'Reilly. I know God has blessed them because they had a much harder life than I've had. Every time I want to whine, bitch, and complain, I think about their life. I have no right to complain. Because I stand on the shoulders of very dirt poor grandparents, poor parents that never vacation, bought a new car, maybe late in life, and that gave everything to their kids so that we could get a Catholic school education because they saw that as an opportunity out. Um, Final question. Live Free or Die is the name of your book. Has... Yes. New Hampshire sued you yet? I mean, you rip off their state motto, Hannity. Uh, So live free or die, the bottom of that says in Latin, live free or America dies. We went to schools where we studied Latin back in the day, which is kind of ageless. And I wasn't good at it, but that, that live free or die is how I feel. So the book is live free or die. It will open as uh, a number one New York Times bestseller, sending all of those people into a safe space. They'll all be very (laughs) agitated. Hannity's number one. Who can we fire? How can we get it? That's what's going to happen. I have a challenge with Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Let's do this again on your network, okay? Except I get to do the non-cupcake interview with me and ask you questions that nobody's ever asked you. How's that deal? September 8th, Killing Crazy Horses out, okay? Deal. Um, and then On you, finger. you can throw deal. the cupcakes in me. All right? That's a deal. Wow, I, I finally survived. Oh, thank God. Thank you for listening to the No Spin News Weekend Edition.
To watch the full episodes of the No Spin News, visit BillOReilly.com and sign up to become a premium or concierge member. That's BillOReilly.com. Sign